On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we continue on with Sports Movie Month by looking at a movie that has very little sports played in it. That's right. We're celebrating the day of the NFL draft with Draft Day. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome, all you good movie buddies, to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of homemade movie theater popcorn, I guess, and uh, whatever snacks they want to watch while they're watching movies at home during uh, self-isolation. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David. Are you excited for the draft? I'm pumped. You know, we're finally getting some sports back in our lives. Kind we, of. Uh, got the, we got the first two episodes of The Last Dance. Yep. This last weekend. So that we, was a little we, sports. We celebrated Michael Jordan in our last episode as well. Yep. We uh, we have the Popcorn Diet Sports Podcast, obviously. Yep. And, uh, and then we also have Draft Day, which kicks off this week yeah as thursday as a matter of fact when people are listening to this episode it will be the day of the draft so it'll be leading up to the nfl draft on thursday and fortunately that's something sports related that doesn't need to have everybody although we're used to having everybody in a single room for it we're gonna they're basically gonna be drafting like we draft our fantasy football league (laughs) i mean let's be honest it's not really that big of a loss. I'm sure it is for the players and, you know, other people involved. But, like, I think we could just probably roll, like, stock film of the fans' reactions, kind of like this movie does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can just be safe to say that, like, every giant, every New York pick will be met with booze. Yeah. Uh, Roger Goodell would point. be met with booze. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I saw someone put that this will be the first draft that Roger Goodell doesn't get booed at, which is probably true. That's true. It's Although true. he doesn't get booed in the movie we're talking about today. No, no, he day. does not, which is might maybe the most unrealistic part of the entire movie filled with unrealistic parts. But uh, absolutely. But yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about the movie Draft Day starring Kevin Costner. You know, we've been doing the social distancing. We've been recording the podcast with with us in different locations over Zoom with no new movies being released. We're, we're, we're going back to some of the classics, trying to figure out exactly, you know, what type of podcast this is going to be as movies keep getting more and more rescheduled. And so we decided that April is normally a pretty big sports movie month. And uh, we've done three previous episodes on uh, or not a sports movie month, but a sports month in general. And we've done three previous episodes on sports movies uh, about the sports that we are not getting right now. And this is the fourth one. Um, it's all about the NFL and the NFL draft, as we said, is if you're listening to this to the day that we on the day that we post it, then the NFL draft is tonight and it's going to go through the weekend. Um, and despite the fact that playing professional sports is on hold. And so to do that, to kind of celebrate the NFL and most appropriately, the NFL draft, we're covering draft day. 
Um, David, this is this is I you you had mentioned before we started recording that you called this a guilty pleasure type movie. And I don't necessarily agree that it's a guilty pleasure because it's not an aggressively bad movie. It's actually a really satisfying movie. It's one of those movies where it's just like it's just about a guy who's good at his job and has got to make the right moves to be successful. And and those movies can be really satisfying. And draft day is really satisfying as well. But if you know anything about the NFL draft, if you know anything about statistics and how people nowadays can apply value to draft picks and value to at where a particular player is drafted. Are they drafted first? Are they drafted 10th? Whatever. In this day and age, it is a little bit more of a ridiculous movie, right? Yeah, well, and I think what I mean by guilty pleasure is I pay attention to sports a lot. And so for me, you know, watching this movie, if you just take it kind of for what it is, which is a movie and movies most a lot of times are unrealistic, especially sports movies. Right. Um, case in point, our last episode was on Space Jam. <laughs> I don't think much of any of what happens in that movie could ever happen. Uh, we have movies like Angels in the Outfield and stuff like that. So sometimes sports movies are not meant to be like this is a realistic depiction of what goes on. Now, the way that the draft day approaches itself, it does seem to like want to take itself seriously. Like we're giving you a look at like the draft process. And I think some of that comes from how heavily the NFL was actually involved in this movie. Hence right. why Roger Goodell didn't get booed. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, like if you just take it and sit back and enjoy and don't try to overanalyze things like, who gets picked where and whether that's realistic compensation. And you look at more as like this, you know, GM that's struggling with the process. And you think about it more as like the character and the people involved in who he's drafting and not be so obsessed with like Bo Callahan's a quarterback and Max a linebacker and Jennings is a running back and yada, yada, yada. Like if you think of it more as like, okay, like, who are each of these players? Like, who's their character? And why would it be difficult in this situation? And that kind of stuff. And more just take it for it being a movie. I think you, it's absolutely satisfying, like you said. And so for me, that's why I characterize it a little bit as a guilty pleasure. Because to me, guilty pleasures are movies where I know if you think too hard, there's a lot of issues. Yes. But if you just enjoy it for what it is, it's it's something that you can come back and rewatch and, and enjoy each time. Yeah. I, I enjoy this movie. I enjoy It's like, um, you know, it's, it's not on the level of Steve jobs, you know, the movie Steve jobs with Michael Fassbender, but it's a movie about people just talking, you know, they're just talking They're They're, they're, they're trying to figure these things out. And those movies can, and you know, as we said, be really satisfying and really fun to watch. So let's go to the tail of the tape here, you know, and recap what exactly draft day is all about. This this movie takes place. It is the day of the 2014 NFL draft, which was a was a real draft that happened. It happened on May 8th to the 10th in 2014. Um, What's funny about that draft is that the Houston Texans actually had the number one pick, uh, not the Seattle Seahawks, as they originally did. And nobody traded them. Uh, the Cleveland Browns had the number eight pick in the draft. 
uh, as opposed to the number seven, which they had. So not really accurate, number one there. Um, but the idea is that in this movie, much like in real life, the Cleveland Browns are struggling. <laughs> they, they, they're coming off a really uh, disappointing season. Their quarterback got banged up. Their former coach passed away. Um, they're dealing and kind of a beloved former coach, which I already have issues with. How can a former coach be beloved if it's a Cleveland Browns coach because the Cleveland Browns don't know success, that type of thing. But the coaches, so that was Coach Weaver and his son, Sonny Weaver, is the GM of the Browns, the general manager of the Browns. And it's his responsibility to run this draft and pick the correct players that they are going to pick for this draft. And he's being pressured by the owner, Anthony Molina, to make a splash. We got to do something big. Um, so, again, we're taking it's, it's interesting how we're blending fiction with facts because this is a very real event that happened the, the 2014 nfl draft clearly happened but everything in this movie did not happen at the 2014 draft it's a completely fabricated version of the draft case in point in 2014 the owner was jimmy haslam the gm uh was michael lombardi who had just replaced ray farmer and the coach was a rookie coach named uh mike patine who again i think since 2014, we're in 2020 now. I think Cleveland's had at least four other head coaches since then. You know, yeah. so like it, it's not been a great uh, decade for the Browns necessarily. But in this in this movie, ultimately, and of course we're spoiling it. But in this movie, ultimately the Browns trade up for number one, and they use that pick to select Vontae Mack, who's a linebacker. And Houston had the number one pick for real. And they drafted a defensive end in Jadavion Clowney. So, you know, defensive player going first. A little bit of a similarity there. Uh, the Browns actually wound up picking in real life a cornerback named Justin Gilbert, who was a bust. And yep. the only quarterback or the, the earliest quarterback taken was with the third pick, where I believe it was Jacksonville took Blake Bortles, who is no longer yep. on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So... Browns had a pretty forgettable draft, which makes this movie more interesting and more funny because they have a very memorable draft in the movie. But obviously we're following the Cleveland Browns. And this is a different type of sports movie because there isn't any sports played. As we said, when we were introducing the movie, the idea of the NFL draft is that nobody's playing sports. And so even though we're following the Browns, it's all about the back office organization. It's almost like Moneyball, but even more even more fake and even more focused on the back office moves and things like that than Moneyball was. Moneyball at least focused on winning streaks and, and the product on the field. This is all hopes and dreams of maybe these guys are going to play out, but they certainly have their own challenges. They might not, you know, unlike the other sports movies, there isn't a team you know, that they have to face off against. It's the other GMs, everybody wheeling and dealing. But the idea is that Sonny Weaver, played by Kevin Costner, you know, he's got to put together a successful draft and set their franchise up for the future. He's got to deal with all these outside influences, things that are happening in his personal life, like his his girlfriend is pregnant, his dad just died, his mutt, like we have all these personal issues. But then you have all of the pressure from, 
the owners, the coaches, the players, his family, the other GMs, just a lot of outside pressure, which again is, it makes for a great movie, but there is no way in hell that half of what he dealt with in this movie would even, would even be allowed in the building in a real, you know, on a real draft day. Like there's, there's no, there's, there's just so much that happens. There would be multiple firings. There would be multiple, uh, uh, probably families broken up and things like that. Um, but nonetheless, it's still a very interesting sports movie in that it, it, it takes a look at what it takes to build a sports team. Um, now, you and I like this movie, right? Because obviously we're doing yeah. it. But give us a little bit of the tale, that, or not tale of the tape, but give us a little bit uh, of a look in the history books on a background of the movie itself. Um, it wasn't as well-received as maybe I would have liked it to have been. Absolutely. Well, it, it had a budget, I would say, which is pretty standard. It was about $25 million, which is, I mean, when you think about all said and done what happens in the film seems about right yeah um especially because you get some decent decent sized names in this film there's yeah quite a few people in this film um so that's probably where the majority of the budget went funny enough uh this movie was going to be centered around the bills the buffalo bills but they actually switched it to the browns because it was cheaper to produce in ohio versus new york shocker so um it was a battle between the bills and the browns for which bad franchise was going to get uh <laughs> get this storyline so both are probably relatively realistic but cleveland definitely uh i don't know if we're led to believe that this is a different browns team that's been more successful than the actual but it was interesting regardless uh 25 million budget did not make a lot of money it made 28.8 million in North America and about 600,000 worldwide. So barely made back its budget. Yeah. Um, critical response. Uh, it was about, it was 59%. So not mixed. terrible. It was mixed for sure. Um, I would say not really many big highlights from a, uh, from a review standpoint. Uh, it's an earlier film. So obviously we just have, or a more recent film. So Roper is uh, is who we have instead of uh, Ebert. Of our Ebert. But, uh, He's he our gave Ebert it a, substitute. Exactly. Uh, Roper gave it a B, though. Um, said basically that it was sentimental, predictable, and sometimes implausible, but thoroughly entertaining, old-fashioned piece, which I feel like is actually a pretty pretty fair assessment yeah. of, of the film. It's uh, It's got some sentimental moments. It's definitely predictable in, in, a, in a large amount of its uh, sequences and, and definitely implausible, as we already kind of hinted at. But <laughs> yeah. it's, like you said, at the end of the day, it's entertaining and, and is, a, is a fun movie to, to watch, in my opinion. It, it was interesting to read through some of the reactions from like NFL people. Um, right. And actually, some of the critics even said they felt like the NFL's involvement kind of probably messed up 
the quality that this film could have had right because they were so involved you know they're not gonna they want everything to look good and like i said like we've said multiple times already even down to roger goodell not getting booed um things that don't actually happen and so you could see it was kind of uh kind of one 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 review said that the movie was like an infomercial for a kinder gentler nfl right um, <laughs> But uh, there was uh, the Green Bay Packers vice president, Andrew Brandt, or he's former now, uh, said draft day lacking any true depiction of how NFL team operates leading up to and during a draft. Less realistic about the business of sports than Jerry Maguire and Moneyball. Which, again, if, if the biggest criticism is this is no Jerry Maguire or no Moneyball, I mean, those are pretty high standards to meet when it comes it's, to it's true sports movies. So I would agree. It is no Moneyball or Jerry Maguire, but that does not mean it's a bad movie. No. Um, from and, that standpoint. And admittedly, like they take a lot of things that probably would have like this movie is not as interesting if you call it off season and spread sure. out all of the things that happen in this movie to their appropriate like you know, they they have all these conversations like he calls up all these players and he's like, did you really have that fight? Like when he would have done that a dozen times leading up to the draft, you know, he he sure. talks to, you know, Bo Callahan. Oh, we got to dig up this dirt on Bo Callahan. Like they would have had all of that covered. Like yeah. even even with the number seven pick, they would have had all of that covered. They would have done their due diligence and stuff like that. Um, but it's, it makes for a more dramatic movie, you know? Um, absolutely. When did this came out before the NFL draft? So this came out in April of 2014. And one of the reasons it wasn't as big of success is that it went up against Captain America, the winter soldier, which mm -hmm. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, um, it, uh, it definitely was a tough time because winter soldier, you also had like Rio 2 and Yeah, you had a kids movie, a um, horror movie. Yep, you had Oculus. It covered so, it covered all the all the other movies covered all the demographics. Yeah. Um, and and if I'm being honest, like that close to the actual draft, if you're someone who watches sports TV and stuff like that, like probably the last thing you want to do is go watch a fictionalized movie on the draft like it gets to this point of the year, you're kind of like, all right, I'm on draft overload. Uh -huh. This year being a little different because we're like sports content. We're eating up anything and everything that is like yes. real life sports content. And even, you know, to a lesser degree, even non-real life sports content, like how many, we, we had a NBA 2K tournament yeah. on ESPN. Like we are desperate for any kind of sporting competition entertainment it's true it's true so i think one of my favorite things about this movie is that it's directed by ivan reitman uh who is a who is legit like space jam we talked about space jam and we talked about mighty ducks and we talked about um uh major league and all of those movies were directed the guy who directed major league is legit fair fair enough but the people who directed Mighty Ducks and the guy who directed Space Jam, they don't exactly have the most uh, exciting, you know, longest filmographies out there. But Ivan Reitman is a is a borderline legend. Ivan Reitman directed Stripes. He did Ghostbusters 1 and 2. He did Twins. He did Kindergarten Cop. 
he did Dave. Like this guy has been around forever. He was also a producer on Space Jam, which was funny because Bill Murray at the end, when Daffy asks him how he got there, he's like, I'm friends with the producer, which is true. He's friends with Ivan Reitman. Um, but yeah, like this guy has done some stuff and he's obviously he's done some uh, like more recently he did things that weren't as successful like he did evolution he did my super ex-girlfriend like not a great look on any of that um but to have ivan reitman come in and do this movie is super interesting it was written by rajiv joseph and scott rothman whose script was it was actually on the blacklist Uh, david are you familiar you're familiar with the blacklist aren't you enlighten me so the blacklist is this kind of uh, it's kind of like a club. It's kind of a, an organization that identifies um, the most or the best unproduced scripts in Hollywood. Um, I, I don't have a lot written on the blacklist. I didn't plan on going into a big you know dissertation on it. Suffice it to say, it's really interesting to see what movies wind up on the blacklist and what movies wind up getting produced and if they even you know meet the um the expectations that the they that were garnered with the blacklist like you're talking about movies movies that have been on the blacklist are like hell or high water slumdog millionaire argo um those types of movies have been on um i'm trying to think of other ones Roman J. Israel Esquire, um, Bad Education, which is coming out on HBO in a couple of weeks. Um, but there's also been some of the uh, some like blockbuster ones as well, or one movies that have turned into blockbusters, like Bird Box, was one that was on the blacklist, which is really interesting. This was on the 2012 blacklist, which also included Arrival, Jojo Rabbit. Um, a lot of different movies have wound up on the blacklist. And it's, again, really interesting to see what those movies become after they get run through the whole production process. And obviously, Draft Day didn't um, light the world on fire, but it turned out to be a decent movie. So these guys, Rothman and Joseph, they kind of do a little bit of TV work, but so far, this is their first and only screenplay. Um, So they haven't, they didn't really parlay this into a big film writing career as of yet, but... As we all know, you know, film writing careers, they they are long in Hollywood. They There's no time limit on them. We got, let's see, this cast. You, you mentioned before, it's a pretty stacked cast, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, you get the, you get the cameos to be expected from, sure. uh, from the sports world. You got a lot of people playing, obviously, themselves. Goodell, Gruden, Jim Brown, Bernie Kosar, Chris Berman. So you get a good amount, Ray Lewis even, Rick Eisen. You get a good amount of those, but you also get quite a few big name actors. Yeah, man. We get, I mean, obviously Costner, you know, uh, you know, Costner's Costner, Jennifer Garner, Dennis Leary, Frank Langella, but Ellen Burstyn, you know, Sam Elliott shows up for one scene. Um, Rosanna Arquette shows up for a scene like that's crazy. Chi McBride is in this movie and he's like the 15th guy uh, in this movie. Freaking Puffy P Diddy's in this movie. John Combs. 
Sean Puffy Combs is in this movie. Terry Crews is in this movie. But then you get like Tom Welling, who was Superman in Smallville playing the QB. I always like seeing Tom Welling show up in the movies. I don't know why it is, but I just I like seeing Superman getting some work. I appreciate that. Um, But also. I think they struck they kind of struck the iron with Bozeman. We got freaking T'Challa up in here, Black Panther, uh, who plays, I think, an incredible like performance as a college star linebacker. Sure. It he he reminds me so much of so many other like defensive linemen, linebackers that I have seen just in his swagger, his attitude, all that kind of stuff. And this was before Black Panther. This was before Civil War, before Avengers and all that. Um, I think that was like the biggest get out of all of it. What, who would you say is probably your favorite guy in the, or, or person, if you will, uh, in the cast? Who, who, who sticks out to you? Oh, man. You know, I'm a sucker for, for Costner, you know, and, you know, he just brings a certain – quality to him that I've always enjoyed in in Costner movies I mean who doesn't love some Sam Elliott playing the super grumpy head coach of Wisconsin um, <laughs> you know I it's it's tough to pick a favorite I, I do like Bozeman as Vontae Mack I thought he does a good job and um, but yeah I mean I think for me uh, Dennis Leary plays who I feel like Dennis Leary is and in most of the things he's the pissed off grumpy guy that you know isn't very likable right <laughs> i feel like that's kind of dennis leary in most of his things i'm trying to think of what what coach he most like is closest to in this movie because he's in the movie he coached the cowboys he kind of came on to coach the cowboys after they had already been successful and led them to a championship and then parlayed that into coaching in Cleveland and everybody, well, mostly Costner is like, you were a babysitter. You barely did anything. You didn't build that team. You inherited it. So I, I feel like the coach that, that, I feel like there's some serious Jeff Fisher vibes there. Like okay. that, it feels like Jeff Fisher had like one, he had his success in uh, uh, Tennessee. In oh. Tennessee, or in wasn't he in St. Louis first? Didn't he do the greatest show on turf? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. I th- I don't think so. I could have sworn he was. He, he he was coaching the Titans when they faced St. Louis. Ah, uh, you might be right. I'm just trying to think of like that. St. Coach. Louis. He was with them when they went from St. Louis to L.A. I'm just trying to think of a coach that really exemplifies that idea of like we're gonna because there's so many coaches that that do that like they inherit a team and then they win and then suddenly oh you're a good coach again and it's just like no you're not um but yeah i i found that complete i found that really interesting even though i even though i might be wrong about jeff fisher which is probably right since i don't have the stats (laughs) in front of me right now um to me it feels very familiar. Like his character feels sure. very familiar as a coach um, for the NFL. So let's talk about, we're going to do this a little bit differently because obviously we, we kind of got to look at the scouting report for the players that are involved in the movie. 
but a little bit less. We don't get to see their performance as much. But before we do that, let's make sure we take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right. It was so before we get into the players, David, it was it was the coach was not Jeff Fisher uh of it was Jeff Fisher, you were right. He coached the Titans, but the greatest show on turf for the St. Louis Rams was Dick Vermeil. Yeah. But then I don't know, maybe maybe they just felt that Jeff Fisher was a good coach because they played against him and hired him and Jeff Fisher ran that team into the ground. Whatever it is, uh, I was wrong. <laughs> I fully admit that I was wrong. Um, all right. So the player, we got the players, David. Who who do we have? I mean, who do we have to really talk comes about? down? To, I mean, really, it comes down to four players in this movie. Four players uh, that are really have- represented. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's more to each, all of these teams. It's the NFL, lots of players make up a a football team, but when it comes to this movie, which is mostly focused on the draft, who's going to pick who, that kind of stuff. There's really four players. Three of them are the players in question in the draft. And the last one is a, is a returning player that's, that's impacted. So first you got Bo Callahan. He's the, uh, the stud QB coming out of college seems to be a slam dunk from everything, you know, as you watch the tape, um, you know, one of those quarterbacks that just, you feel like you got to take them number one based off of everything that you see. Um, supposed to be like the building block for a franchise. Some red flags though, as we find out, no one seems to actually like Bo Callahan. <laughs> it might be a little soft, you know, there's some, some things, uh, some red flags that might be popping up around Bo Callahan. Uh, then we've got Vontae Mack, who, as we mentioned, ends up going number one. He's the the linebacker, you know, that Ohio State linebacker. They go with Ohio State to go, you know, with that blue chip program. Yep. Uh, did well in his matchups against Bo Callahan, who was at Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten matchup. Um, and obviously as we meet him throughout the movie, he's, you know, seems to be the higher character, the guy that we're supposed to be cheering for, you know, he's got some nephews. He wants to take care of all that good stuff, but mm-hmm. seems to be kind of that, like, you know, rangy, you know, hard hitting, good, good all around linebacker at the center of your defense. Uh, then you got Ray Jennings, who's a running back, all American, uh, all American running back. And, you know, obviously, you know, in this day and age, running backs are trying hard to pull the trigger on high in the draft because of durability issues. But 
Um, seems like he's a, a, a game changing player, but he got in a fight and, you know, there's some off the field stuff that, you know, is maybe scaring some teams away. So Ray Jennings is, is the other player kind of in consideration as we mm-hmm. go through the draft board. Um, and then lastly, the last player is Brian Drew, who's the quarterback that, you know, if the Browns decide to go Bo Callahan and would, you know, most likely be moved out of the starting position seems to be that, you know, he's a well-liked in the, in the building in Cleveland, but uh, has, has struggled with some injuries, particularly his knees um, and had a hard time staying healthy. So hard to really count on him for the season, which is why they're even thinking about going after Bo Callahan, which, um, you know, is, is the basis of a lot of this movie is, uh, is which way we're going to go on the draft. And, and it's pretty accurate in that regard, in that there are, you know, quarterback is of such high value in the NFL draft now that if you have the opportunity, I mean, I say this as an Arizona Cardinals fan who the Arizona Cardinals traded up to the number 10 spot. And then the very next year, they got the number one pick in the draft and they picked quarterbacks both times because the quarterback at number one was an all universe type talent, like a once in a lifetime type talent. And their number 10 guy wasn't panning out, you know, and quarterbacks are so valuable, but at the same time, you know, they always say defense wins championships. Well, and I think, and I think furthermore with first round quarterbacks and I'm stealing this from, from, uh, from all the draft coverage and that that we've been listening to for the real draft, but quarterbacks of first round quarterbacks in the last 15, 20 years, it's like a 50, 50 prospect of whether they're actually a good quarterback in the NFL. So just because you take a quarterback in the first round, they can look as good as, you know, anything like, you know, you take Jamarcus Russell who went to the Raiders. Like he looked like he was a, surefire can't miss pick at number one right he did absolutely nothing and there's a long list of players like that so while it's true you want to find that blue chip great quarterback at the same time sometimes it is some of those defensive players that get taken in 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 round one that are maybe the safer uh plays because you know they're not as under the spotlight as say a quarterback And, you know, it's kind of like how those first three or four years go determine on, you know, how those quarterbacks are going to be, you know, long-term and whether you're going to get returned for that top pick. Exactly. Case in point, some of the best quarterbacks in the league right now were first round draft picks, but almost none of them were number one. Aaron Rodgers was number 24. Patrick Mahomes is number 10. Even Big Ben was number 11. Um, You look at guys like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was number 32. You know, yep. so and you know, Cam Newton, Eli Manning, they were number one picks. They're not with their teams anymore. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, number 12 pick. So yep. it, it's it's div- Andrew Luck is in the had to retire due to injury. Um, it's wild. And you're right, man. It is very much a coin flip as to how could it turn out? How how could it be? It's it's never guaranteed. So even drafting Bo at number one is still not guaranteed. It was never guaranteed. Yeah. Um, however, 
Vontae Mack is a linebacker, and the last time a linebacker was drafted number one overall was in 1988. Yeah, long time. So not, not a common occurrence. It's not a common occurrence at all. And likewise, like Ray Jennings is an all-American running back, but is he Saquon Barkley? Like he's clearly not in the conversation for the number, like the number one pick. And yeah. so unless he's, and I feel like that usually happens with running backs, like with running backs, unless they're in all uh, like universe type talent, like a Saquon or whatever, who just came off an injury himself. Um, you're not drafting running backs in the top 10. Like it's yeah. either, it's either one or two, or you're going to wait to the second round. It feels yep. like. So, and, and Brian Drew is a classic journeyman quarterback. Uh, you know, the guy that he, he feels like a game manager. He feels to me like a, like a Flacco, you know, like a guy who, who can, who can throw sure. the ball. He can get the, he can get the job done, but you know, he's not an all, all world talent. Um, sure. so with all of that being said, how did you feel about, how did you feel about his moves? How did you feel about going Vontae Mack over Bo Callahan who let's, let's simplify it. If you had to pick between Bo Callahan and Vontae Mack, who would you have picked? Well, I mean, obviously I don't think there's any way you could trade three first round picks and then go with the player that you probably didn't need to trade three picks to go get. Right. So, you know, from that standpoint, the move is, is highly questionable. And I think you have to break down each of these moves kind of one by one. Like it's easy to just go to the end, but like for as much as Kevin Costner, you know, pulls it out in the end, he makes a lot of terrible, he makes a number of terrible decisions throughout this, uh, throughout this process. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, Bo Callahan was probably the pick at one, the smart pick, regardless of, you know, your concerns. If nothing else, you know, you shouldn't be trading up there. You, if, if Bo Callahan is not your number one pick, you shouldn't be trading up there. You could probably trade far less to move into the slot if Vontae Mack is your guy. Right. Um, so, because why are you going to pay a linebacker? number one pick money now now you're getting instead of getting Vontae Mack at a premium which like listen I res, I'll do respect Vontae with your with your skill and whatever but you're like he was complaining about getting number seven money that's still yeah. like 15 million dollars like yeah, what are you doing okay. Vontae that 15 million is unacceptable to you you know yeah um but, but yeah it's just it was bad like ultimately did he get good value yeah maybe but sure. he overpaid. Yeah, I mean, You're overpaying your linebacker. How are you supposed to fill out the rest of your defense? Yeah, I mean, in the end, he gets a great linebacker at an expensive price tag. Yep. He gets a star running back. Or again, he's going to be higher paid too because he's a top. You know, he's making at least fifteen million that we mm -hmm. talked about before. Um, and with that, he has no second round picks for the next three years. It's true. Um, so you could say, is it worth to, you know, have these two players and lose all your second round picks when really you might have been able to, 
you know, move back in the draft and get a similar return. So I don't know that, you know, and it's hard to say because obviously Jennings was there for a reason right. when he was at seven. So could you have just stayed there? And, you know, the thing that's unknown is where Vontae Mack would go if he didn't go number one. If right. Bo Callahan gets drafted number one, was he the surefire number two? You know, if he was, then maybe you would have paid. But I bet you would have paid less for the number two pick than the number one when it's a one of those drafts where it's a star quarterback. So, um, so yeah. So, I think in the end, the it looks like a big win, but there's a lot of questionable moves on the way to – you know, a solid draft for them. There is, there is. I probably, I, I, if I had to take a splash, I mean, you know, listen, David, you know me. Every time Arizona's drafted a quarterback, I got behind him. When they drafted Matt Leiner, I lived vicariously through him as he mowed his way through ASU uh, college students. Uh, when they drafted Josh Rosen, I love the chip on his shoulder. I love the anger and the intensity. And then even, like literally up until the moment they drafted Kyler, I was like, Josh is my guy. Josh is my guy. And then they drafted Rosen or then they drafted Kyler. And I'm like, all right, it's Kyler time. So (laughs) I probably would have picked Bo Callahan because again, he's supposed to be this all world talent. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that's what, I think that's what makes it hard is, you know, with, grading drafts in general because right you know every time after a draft you get a draft grade you know that espn and all the other sites do but really you don't know the grade of that draft for you know two three four years later to really know how well they did in the draft like there's plenty of like on paper the cleveland draft the actual cleveland draft that year looks pretty good they got you know the top rated cornerback and Justin Gilbert and they traded back into the first round and picked Johnny Manziel who was a Heisman trophy winner they did do a little draft day nonsense on that pick yeah so I mean it it appeared like they had made a good haul in the first round and now neither of those players are relevant I think Justin Gilbert might still be hanging on in the NFL but Manziel is he's also nowhere near playing he's also like one of the only draft picks that didn't i think make a pro bowl or something like that exactly Um, so it's tough so with with mvp i'm not i'm clearly obviously we're not talking about most valuable player here but who's the best player on the team and so from that regard i uh i actually picked four names in regards to the best like back office home office type person who's involved all right um i have number one i have sunny weaver obviously sunny weaver jr digging himself into a hole and then inexplicably digging himself not only out of that hole but into a high rise uh pretty good performance by kevin costner sunny weaver um i think as they say like they he turned he turned his magic bean or he sold. He said somebody said where he turned his magic beans into a beanstalk or something like that. Um, And as we said, like on paper, the draft looks pretty sharp. Uh, The other one that I have is um, Ralph Mori. And this is actually like, he could be six man. He could be MVP, but Ralph Mori is played by W Oral Brown. And he's like, Sonny Weaver's go-to information guy. 
he's in the movie a few times and he's he always is like don't you want to know why or they went to the they went to the birthday party and guess who was there like he always kind of speaks in the little mysteries and whatnot but he's the one that ascertains the most important information about Bo Callahan right he's the one that pulls this information out of thin air he's the one that talks to people that gets the lowdown that eventually talks Sonny Weaver out of drafting Bo Callahan so I have that one as well um, I have Allie Parker, who is Jennifer Garner's character. She's the finance manager. She's the one working the um, the salary cap. Uh, and then I have I I despite me talking smack about Dennis Leary and and Coach Penn, I have Coach Penn on there as well because ultimately, like Coach Penn gets behind the plan. He's pushing for his running back, and he gets his running back. Like he he weirdly never really wavers on what he wants and he lets Sonny eventually do his thing and puts together a pretty solid draft and a, and a pretty pretty solid team uh, to put together. So those are the four that I had. Did you have anybody that you think could be added to the MVP or best player? No, I don't think for MVP, I don't think there's really anybody else that, that you could throw in there. I think that's probably it. And for me, I mean, you can't really go anywhere, but, but Sonny Weaver, maybe a couple of these people will be talked about in the six, six man or woman category, but I feel like this is a movie about one person and that's Sonny Weaver and his draft day. Yeah. He's the, he's the star. He's the star of the show, you know? So it's definitely, it's definitely all about him. Um, so for six man or woman, the idea behind the six man is the person who makes the biggest impact with the least amount of time. Um, I do think that Ralph is in the conversation for here as well, but I also have a couple of other, um, I have a couple of other entries. Uh, I have, I, I there's really only if there's not there's not many here, but I have Coach Moore played by Sam Elliott. Literally, one scene talks all about Bo Callahan is the most Sam Elliott he could possibly be, uh, and I just love him for it. So he's going on the list. He, he comes in for literally one scene and crushes it. Um, and then I have Rick the intern who, again, we want to talk about realism here. There's no way we have an intern starting on draft day. There's just not, it's nope. not happening. Um, nope. Nonetheless, solid, you know, is able to take direction and is able to take uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Harsh criticisms. Uh, in stride and it never lets him frat never lets it frazzle him too much um then of course i again i mentioned ralph again and i think ralph is probably the winner here just because like he's the guy that comes in he comes off the bench and he's just he's just launching touchdown passes that's all he's doing is launching touchdown passes in in his garbage time that he has but then I wanted to throw a shout out to two of the two of the home uh two of the back back office guys, Thompson and Marks. And I mostly want to shout them out for a couple of reasons. Number one, because they're played by David Ramsey and Timothy Simons, who are on a couple of my favorite TV shows. David Ramsey plays Diggle on Arrow, and Timothy Simons is on Veep, and he's incredible on Veep. Um but I also like the conversation that they're having about Bo Callahan where they're talking, they're trying to figure out statistically how many girls that he hooks up with. 
And I, I just relate to that. I feel like if I was working for the Browns and I was in there and having to scout Bo, that I would wind up having that conversation. <laughs> um, so I wanted to include them on there because I love the actors involved and they were part of probably one of the funniest parts of the movie for me. Uh, is there anyone else you could think to add or anyone on that list that you would give the award to? I mean, I think you got to talk about the uh, rookie general manager of the Jaguars who, uh, who, who <laughs> makes this all possible with uh, Jeff Carson with, with him getting hosed for, uh, for that pick. So my, f- uh, my favorite part about Jeff Carson is he has the number six pick in the draft, right? Everybody is panicking. And he trades the number six for three second rounders, a second rounder that year. So that means they have two second rounders, a second rounder the next year, and then a second rounder two years after that. And then he like does the high five handshake fist bump with one of his back office guys. Like he just made the steal of the century. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you didn't do that good, Jeff. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, I think for me, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think you gotta go with, you gotta go with, uh, with Ralph. Ralph. I think Ralph's gotta be the, uh, the sixth man. He's Comes just... through with some important information. You could kind of say Vontae Mack and Chadwick Boseman. Um, you could. Because he kind of starts the conversation, pushes them to look into Bo more. You know, obviously every prospect's going to want to go first, but he kind of pushes on him a little bit to to think twice about the uh, Bill Callahan pick. But no, he does I a think lot of tweet. Be, he does a lot of tweeting, though. Yeah, I think it's got to be Ralph, though. Ralph is the he's the low key guy. He's the guy who doesn't. He's not out there tweeting. He's not out there ruffling the feathers. He's just getting the info. Uh, yep. We all we all need a guy like Ralph on our squad. You know, the yep. the, 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 the gopher. Um, all right, David, that leaves us to the, to the one last category, which is this one's a little weird. Um, and I think you, you wrote down some of this, you, you wrote down, you kind of compiled some of this, but part of the competition is, does the gameplay hold up? Right. And there's no gameplay. There's no gameplay here. So we have best sports center play, most unrealistic moment and best game. Um, you wrote down some good sports center plays quote unquote yeah well i think you got to think about it and i think it's very appropriate obviously and that's why we're doing this about you know what would be going on right now obviously if it was a normal year sports center would be littered with nhl playoffs nba playoffs mlb highlights there'd be so but much the draft is is massive even with all that stuff going on the NFL draft still dominates this weekend, even on regular years. Like it's still everything that is talked about. I mean, if you saw the scene at Nashville last year, like it was wall to wall people there. So, you know, you can say whatever you want about each of the sports and the NFL and its issues, but the NFL is still king when it comes to sports in the U S right. And so this is going to make its way on the sports center. Now, as far as it actually holding up, like compared to the actual sport, you know, we've already talked about some of the issues in the actual draft and whether it's realistic, but, you know, it does give some insight into there are deals that are done. Um, you know, the St. Louis and Washington trade with Robert Griffin, and that is an example of a real trade where someone traded 
you know, I think it was three firsts and a second, or maybe it was two firsts and a second. So similar compensation to move up into that position. But, you know, a lot of the actual players that are selected in some of the moments within there are pretty unrealistic. But I do think there's some, the things that would be dominating the sports center headlines in this um, would obviously start with the trade Um, Brown's trading up from number seven to move up to number one at the cost of their next three first round picks, especially after what happened with St. Louis and Washington, this would be huge news on, on sports center. People would be talking about this. It would be talked about, like that's a ton to pay to move from seven to one. But if you're finding the quarterback of your future, like that would be massive. But then to take Vontae Mack and the linebacker there instead of Bo Callahan, like they it's would, ins- Sonny would be getting crucified. He'd be yes. getting crucified. It'd be all over sports center. Like I can just imagine Todd McShay and <laughs> Mel Kiper just being like, I have no clue what they're thinking like here. they would they would announce the second pick and they'd be like this is a good pick let's go back to talking about how sunny weaver's a yes. gigantic lunatic oh it's exactly. the fourth pick oh fourth pick this is a good pick but can you believe what the browns did like they would keep cycling yes. back to it but then you get you know obviously then obviously they would cover trading back into the first round and getting the number six pick from the jags yeah so ultimately then fleece Seattle because to hold I mean, Seattle hostage. I mean, there's been examples of, you know, Brady Quinn's a good example. Aaron Rodgers is even a good example. You know, a lot of people think Tua this year might go on a slide because of, you know, various concerns. Right. Um, and so it's not unheard of for like quarterbacks that were expected to go number one or top three to start sliding. And like, it's almost a game of chicken. And then some team says he's dropped far enough. I've got to get back in there. Yeah. Um, so it's not unheard of, but for Seattle to then pay back three first round picks that they were just given from Cleveland to get to number six. So we're not even getting number one. We're going to number six. Plus a punter. A punt returner. A punt returner. Yeah. So to add in a player two, I mean, obviously it would just be, like it would be chaos, like on the ESPN set. This is all they'd be talking about. So um, people would be losing their minds. Twitter would be exploding. Exactly. Hashtag fire Sonny Weaver. Hashtag... What's the what's the Seattle asshole's uh, name? Uh, Tom Michaels. Hashtag fire Tom Michaels. Eating his pancakes. Eating, oh my god! I, I've been doing a real good job of keeping the language PG thirteen on here, but that insult is a great. I love that insult. <laughs> I love that insult. I so, turned it into a gif. But I think those are. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think those are the moments that would probably be talked about from within here. Um, you know, I think it's crazy. I There's not really, there's no game in this, but obviously this would make this draft like one of the all time talked about drafts ever. Yes. Um, but like all, like all drafts, like it would probably sift into a nominee, not a nominous, a nominee, if that's even a word. Um, anonymity. 
anonymity. There you go. That's I what think, I was looking I for. Think. <laughs> it, it, it might not, it might shift a little bit more into that. If none of these players turn out to be good, which we've seen from some drafts. Exactly. But if Bo becomes like the next big thing or like, you know, Ray Jennings is the next Saquon Barkley or, you know, Vontae Max, the next Ray Lewis, or even one of the compensation pieces, like if the three firsts, you know, could have turned into something like, yeah, it's going to be talked about at, at a minimum, this draft would have been talked about for the next three years because of the capital that was exchanged or could have been exchanged for the next three years. It's true. It's true. It's the crazy thing is that, there is so much of the draft that is about strategic planning and this is the best spot. This is what we need. This is we're drafting on need. We're drafting on um, uh, we're drafting on talent, skill, all that kind of stuff. But none of it, ultimately the craziest thing is that none of it matters, mm-hmm. you know, and none of it matters until you get on the field and are able to produce. Um, so we talked about the trades, obviously, and I feel like there are several unrealistic moments in this movie to talk about most unrealistic moments. And obviously normally we're talking about the games and stuff like that, but I talked about the, there being a new intern to the, an intern to the GM sitting outside of the GM's office, not just an intern, not just a, ah, he's a new Browns intern, but a new intern for the GM on the day of the draft is insane. Yeah. Like, that's not going to happen. The coach coming in and burning the draft report and the quarterback coming in and trashing the office. I highly doubt any of those things would happen. Um, The mother, I got to shout out the mother in this. Okay. I love my mother. I love my mama. Right. Uh, Yeah. And the mom in this, Ellen Burstyn as Barb Weaver, is a real piece of crap. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because she calls in the morning after Sonny Weaver makes the deal on the phone and doesn't tell anybody. She calls him and is like, you traded away our future for a pot, you know, a a bag of beans. Like you did all this, whatever. And then later shows up with Sonny, with the dad's ashes. And is like, we're going to sprinkle them on the field now. And it's the middle of draft day and you have to do this. And I'm going to be mad at you because you're not willing to put everything aside. That's a bullshit move, mom. Like you could not have mentioned that to me on the phone call earlier today. You're just going to surprise me with this. I don't like it. I don't care for it. I'm not saying it's necessarily unrealistic, but I don't care for it. (laughs) Um, What about you? Do you have any unrealistic plays? I mean, obviously all the trades are nonsense. The trades. The Browns doing well in a draft. I mean, <laughs> there's there's not really much record of that. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, I think it mostly comes down. I mean, we've, we've talked about some of the other things. You know, all the due diligence that's still being done on the day of the draft. Um, some of the conversations, like, you don't ask about the fight that Ray Jennings got into until, you know, hours before you're actually having to make a decision right so i mean there's there's a lot of things and again i think you have to go to more of the spirit of the movie that this movie's called draft day so you have to kind of do some of those unrealistic things on draft day because that's what this movie is about whereas really they would have happened prior so 
you know, to me, probably the most unrealistic thing. Oh, and we talked about, I mean, it's, I'm sticking with what I've mentioned like four times already on this podcast. Roger Goodell not getting booed. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like that might be the actually the most unrealistic thing in the world. Like, you're the bad guy, Roger. Just accept it. Deal with it. Yeah. Like, you well, don't have we, to do this revisionist history, pay for, you know, help fund this movie about the NFL draft just so that you can show it to your grandkids and be like, look, this is how every draft went. Like, come on, Raj. Well, and we, and we have evidence that someone has compensated a team very similarly for the first round pick to go and get a quarterback. Um, you know, as little as it's happened, there has been a linebacker drafted first overall. You know, there are plenty of examples of running backs being drafted high. Right. Um, so there's plenty of that stuff. Where and, there's there's you know, a, a bait like there's a there's historical precedent set, even if it's not, you know, too uh, uh, lengthy of a precedent. Likely. But there is yeah. no historical precedent for Roger Goodell getting cheered Zero. at the draft. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I think you could probably go back to his first year. So that is absolutely never happened, never going to happen. No. Unless there's not, I don't even think there's a, I don't even think there's a scenario where he somehow gets cheered. No. Like, no, he could, like, he, he, he could walk out with, you know, a million dollars that he's donating to charity. Boo. Boo. He could walk out. Even if, like in the in the if we're making up fictional realities here, let's say the coronavirus got defeated and we didn't have to deal with it. And literally like the NFL draft was the first public event, the first big event that we got to do again. And Roger Goodell gets to walk out and basically be the symbol of like, we did it. We can get back to normal now and still would be booed well, mercilessly. Well, and I feel like a symbol of normality would be booing Roger Goodell. So. It's true. It's true. I it's mean, it feel it feel weird if if you didn't do it. So at this yeah. point, I think he's stuck. He just needs to embrace it. I agree. I agree. Um, obviously, there isn't a best game. You know, it would make for a memorable draft, as we said. Uh, depending on what those first round draft picks turned into, depending on how these players turned out, would kind of dictate whether or not this was a memorable draft. Specifically, if it brought a title to Cleveland, like that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the Browns kind of came out of it on top. The Jags, not great. And the Seahawks, I mean, yeah, you got Bull Callahan, but like at what cost, you know? Yeah, I mean, low key though, Seahawks, if you go down the road, could have gotten the best deal out of all of this because if Bo Callahan was their guy, which for some reason, he wasn't in the beginning, but then at six, he is. Right. But say he was actually their guy. Yeah. Then they're getting him for the price of a six-round pick yep. or six pick in the draft versus the first pick, and all they lost was a punt returner to do it. So it's true. I mean, from that standpoint, you know, the salary savings and to end up with, you know, who most people going into the draft felt was like a franchise QB and the best player in the draft then you know maybe maybe four years from now we're talking about how the seahawks you know made out and and did fantastic i mean i don't think unless the browns players are both flops like no one's gonna necessarily 
you know, poo-poo on them too much. I think sure. Jaguars are probably the, the, the biggest losers because, you know, especially if they were in need of a quarterback and Callahan turned out to be a good quarterback, to trade, you know, a franchise quarterback for three second rounders is a pretty bad move. It's not great. It's it's not what so. you want. It's a, not a great look. Now, no. to wrap this up, now, obviously, there are – I love football. We love football. Football's amazing, and we love movies. That's why we're here doing this. And there are a ton of football movies out there that we could have done for this specific episode. we got Any Given Sunday, Jerry Maguire, Invincible, Longest Yard, Remember the Titans, Friday Night Lights, Rudy, you know, the Waterboy, Varsity Blues. There's a ton. There's a ton. So in your opinion, David, why do you think why like why do we like draft day? Like uh why why does this go into the sports movie hall of fame? Well, and I think that's the question is it's 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 on the border, it's a fringe. If, if it gets in, it's gonna be like it's you know, third and fourth year right. being on the ballot. Not unanimous. But I think the reason you you know we think fondly and and the reason it's it's in consideration is is that it's just you know it's 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 popcorn you know it's it's enjoyable to sit down and watch it goes goes by really quick it's uh you know i I can't remember how long the movie is but you know it's right in that 90 minute range and you know you go through it quickly it's not too deep it's it's fun it's got some good moments got a great cast and I think, you know, it's got some memorable moments within it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those movies that I think we enjoy coming back to, especially around this time when the draft's happening. It's an excellent movie to have in the background. Like it's an excellent movie that you can watch, you can play on your phone and listen, I'm not condoning that. Okay. But it is, it's a good movie that you can have on if something else is going on. It's a good movie that you can slip in and out of, um, it's got a number of memorable scenes, memorable conversations and stuff like that. And obviously the end, like the last 20 minutes or so is a blast. Just watching it all go to go to hell and then get risen, ris- you know, rise again and all of that. So uh, I enjoy, I enjoy this movie quite a bit. I know it's certainly, you know, when you talk about football movies there, there are a lot that are come above it, you know, but you know, a lot like Sonny Weaver, it just keeps coming back and 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 it works and it gets the job done. Um, but that is gonna Absolutely. do it. That that is gonna do it for draft day. Our final episode of the month is up to you, the listeners. If you go to our Twitter at the popcorn diet, we are going to have a poll up for you to vote for what the fourth sports movie or fifth, excuse me, sports movie we are going to cover will be. And we, here are your choices. We're kind of all over the place on this one. We got Moneyball representing baseball. We got Happy Gilmore representing golf. We haven't represented golf, a little bit of hockey, a little bit of golf there, but we haven't talked any golf. We haven't talked any PGA tour or masters or anything like that. And then we have two, of our favorite football comedies, the replacements and, or little giants. You can vote for those by going to our Twitter at the popcorn diet, find that tweet, vote for what you think should be the last movie in sports movie month. But 
before we finally wrap up, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free just by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button, take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast and keep the podcast going during these weird times, but it's going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like early regular episodes, ad-free regular episodes, and our franchise refills, which we are currently doing on The Fast Saga. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But... For the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with a movie of your choice on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.